Why are you here? I'm looking for a great warrior. So what kind of warrior have you been? The way of the warrior. He needed a warrior's mind. Clearly this was all planned by warriors of warriors. Now is the time. So we're going to do um, kind of a little conversation today. We're going to have a little, we're going to have a little chat. So pull up a chair, strap in, put your seatbelt on if you're in the car. Um, just want to um, be real and have a, a conversation. You know, it's been 21 episodes already that we have put out and so many podcasts and and people that start podcasts, you know, they they fizzle out, you know, after a couple. And, and and we are definitely going to be calling ourselves to the carpet a little bit today because I, I really want to just be completely open, honest, and transparent, um, and really live into that element of vulnerability with you guys because we have done a lot of start stop, and and, and I say we, but I say me. Like I'll, I'll take ownership. You know, um, I am somebody who um, struggle is actually the right word. Struggles with ADHD as an adult, and it has only gotten worse in the last year. Um, our healthcare system, for all of its highs and lows, um, you know, there's there's still a lot of issues, especially surrounding mental health. Um, I have found a perfect, you know, system, uh, a perfect for me system that had me on the right medicine to therapy, to, to lifestyle, um, and everything was going really well. And then, um, when I went to go renew the medicine that I've been on for four years, keep in mind in January, uh, my health insurance company that I've had for six years, uh, and I pay a very high premium because of all my health stuff. So it's really good coverage. Let me know that they no longer carry that one drug that was the one, t- like the one perfect combination for me. Um, and so I've had a really rough um, six plus months and it's starting to really get to the point where it's affecting a lot of the different areas in my life. And without using that as a complete excuse, I have to recognize that that's part of the problem. But going back to what I was saying with the podcast, with somebody with ADHD, with somebody who has OCD, you know, I am very attracted to shiny objects and, you know, as we say, like kind of chasing the dopamine, you know, it's, it's really awesome to be able to, to ride that high and always have these things that are winning, you know, um, people that are familiar with like my current trajectory. Um, remember November, 2020, I started on TikTok and really just right place, right time, right content, right structure. Um, just rocket blasted off, you know, zero to 12,000, 12,000 to 15,000, you know, in, in a relatively short period of time. And so that gave me that boost, that, that serotonin boost, that dopamine boost to keep going. Um, but as soon as it got to a point where it became that overbearing, you know, work, cause I mean, there was a point where I was posting eight TikToks a day, 
Now I got monetized and I was working with brands and there was a justification for doing that. But the moment that it became overbearing and it became um, tedious, hard work, I slowly started back off and I made the appropriate decision, I feel like at the time, and I still believe it was the right call um, to take a little bit of a breather and, and really have that, that mental space because the moment that it became about chasing views, followers, engagements, whatever, um, it really took away from my original intention, which was to just share from a place of value. So I took a, a pretty long hiatus from posting any content um, in that capacity um, last um, last fall, give or take. And I took a, a good amount of time off and then you know, really tried to figure out a way to slim down uh, the doing, you know, I'm somebody who tends to um, constantly have a lot of like, you know, balls up in the air, a lot of embers on the fire. Um, and for the longest time, that's how I felt like I was achieving, you know, I was, you know, highly productive um, because I, cause I always, I always gauge it off of productivity, not busyness. You know, I think that you can work one day and, and find success and and be satisfied with that versus the need to like feel like you have to full fill a full week of things just so you feel like you're you're doing stuff like I'm only accountable to me and, and my bills and my my daughter and, and those um, things that matter. But I found that you know over the course of time, like I was doing all these things for different reasons to satiate all these different desires and needs. Um, but it got to a point where I was reaching crash and burn and burnout really quickly. And from the outside looking in, um, I was doing really well. You know, I had this, you know, high level of success. I did really good last year. In fact, you know, um, I've stopped apologizing, but, you know, 2020, 2021, and, you know, most of 2022 have been really good years for me. Um, but that's because when things slowed down, I was forced to slow down. And, and, and as I've learned, you know, you've got to slow down to speed up. And when we started this year, you know, we had a different kind of like approach. We had a team meeting and we said, you know, let's focus on one quarter at a time. Let's focus on, you know, one task at a time. You know, let's not keep introducing new things. Let's try something for three months before we shoot it dead in the water and build up some of that consistency because that's hard, you know, especially in the modern day of business. You know, it's so quick to get frustrated when something that you really are passionate about isn't working. And it's the reason why people aren't as successful as they should be is because the moment that the going gets tough, you know, the tough get going. You know, uh, people always talk about how you can't find success on YouTube anymore, or it's so hard to grow a social media account from, you know, from nothing, or it's hard to build organic. Um, the issue is, it has become a pay-to-play market in, in a lot of sense. And I know that I'm kind of all over the place, but I do have a point. Um, the, uh, the, the, the thing is like, yes, there is pay-to-play to compete, but there is still organic options out there. The problem is people are not willing to stay the course for the organic to pay off. You know, think about it. If you um, post a like, so reels are really hot right now. If you post a reel and you get a couple of thousand views, um, 
that's really cool. You know, and you get that that little that little dopamine hit, you get that satisfaction of knowing that you hit put something out there that, you know, that reached um in an organic way. But if you don't post again for a couple of weeks and you kind of do it sporadically, you know, you might get these like intermittent growth opportunities and you might get these little bits of reach versus, you know, posting every day. You know, just post once a day or post, you know, try to follow, you know, what works for you, which is what is also being receptive by the market and, and follow that with consistency. Doing it, no matter what we do, you know, like success is essentially a formula that's built off of the combination of multiple small tasks, you know, consistently. And, and it's a lot of the, you know, we live in the world of focusing on like the sexy things, like it's sexy to start, it's sexy to finish, you know, and I talk about that a lot, right? Day one and day 365 are days full of glory, but day two through 364, um, they're tough. And they're, they, a lot of times they're just, you know, behind closed doors, nobody sees it. It's not on display. It's not, you know, the fun stuff. It's the tedious, it's the paperwork, it's the, um, check writing, the invoicing, the, you know, the stuff that's just not fun, you know, the checks and balances, if you will. Um, But the goal is, and the key is when we can stay consistent and work through at the same capacity, at the same desire, um, a funny thing starts happening through consistency. And I say that to say, because two years ago, we talked about creating a podcast. And we talked about it. We talked about it. I bought the equipment and, you know, got everything ready. And, and it was this, like, I've had these, like all this recording stuff in my you know house since 2020, you know, I've upgraded my zoom to be able to do this two years ago. And, and we just still sat on it. And it was just this idea that we kept talking about and kept talking about talking about. And then one day back in the spring, I was talking with Shannon. And Radica, and we we're talking. I was like, we need to just do this podcast. And I think it was like, we're going to do it next Tuesday. And, and that's it. That's that's how it started. That's it was right. Yeah, it was like, all right, we're going to do it next Tuesday. And that was it. And that was 22 it. Twenty two weeks later, and we started. And now it has become um, effortless. It really has. It's become something that I look forward to. It's something that you know we have really grown into something that that matters. You know, we have amazing conversations. We've got to meet amazing, amazing guests who have brought such amazing knowledge and wisdom and lessons and perspective to our, uh, our little world that we're building here, our, you know, our warrior verse. And, um, it is built off of the foundation of just starting, um, and, and, and going and staying the course and, you know, continuing. And um, it's it's something that, you know, the idea, you know, of doing something like a podcast weekly is something that would have seemed extremely overwhelming. And, and it probably was a lot of the reason why we kept pushing it off, pushing it off because it was, you know, oh, another thing on our plate. Oh, another thing that we have to do, another commitment. Um, but we knew that we were wanting it for the right reasons. It wasn't, 
you know, creating a podcast to, to build exposure or to monetize. We don't make a penny off of this. This is something that we completely do out of our pure passion and something that we love, um, you know, having these conversations and really getting to dive deep into what it means to be a warrior and having conversations with people and being able to communicate to um, the, you know, the handful of people that listen to us all the way up to the episodes where we have hundreds of people listen to us. Um, and for us, it's about providing the, the, leaving the door open for the conversation, providing as much value as we can based off of what we know, what we bring to the table, and then hoping that it's enough uh, for people to understand that our mission is alive and well through this podcast. You know, um, warrior of impact, you know, really means so much to me because it, it it really is broken up into two things. It's It really is that warrior spirit of that strength, that push through that fight, that continuing on that resiliency. Um, and then that other key component of impact, it's the service to others. It's the providing value. It's the making people's lives better by being in it, by being able to be a conduit of change and knowledge and ideas and conversation and perspective and, and putting those two together with that strength and resiliency and desire to serve. Um, it really is uh, my life purpose. I know that for a fact. I know that there is nothing else that I could be doing in my life right now that could be any more rewarding for myself and for my community. And so this podcast is, and it really has become a key component to that because it's allowing us to express beyond just the written form or an Instagram graphic or you know a small conversation. It gives us the opportunity to reach so many people um, and talk about things that really matter. And it's through that consistency of doing it week in and week out that we have found our voices to be a little bit more clearer. We found that message to become a lot sharper and we are recognizing that the people that we're having conversations with, the reach that we're starting to get and the people that we're starting to impact um, are people that we never would have even thought to reach out to, which is amazing that we are having conversations with people. Uh, people are listening to our podcast and then reaching out to us and having conversations. Um, went to a party a couple of weeks ago and they're like, man, I love that episode about this, 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 and with this person. And, and it was just kind of like, uh, the only thing that I, the best thing that I can equate it to is, uh, you know, when I was 19, I was a lead singer for a band. And when you're on stage singing and you have people singing your words back to you, that's the only thing that I can really equate it to of like people that are that invested in uh, what you're doing. And we are visible. We're very visible in this capacity. I like to think that we stay transparent and vulnerable in this capacity. And 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 the overall goal is to be uh, impactful. You know, and I think that. And and what I've noticed is, especially talking about consistency, I think consistency breeds confidence because as we go along, as we've been through this process, I was very trepidatious at first um, about being on camera, about. Um, all the things that go through your head, you know, sounding stupid or um, not being able to phrase things correctly. And so as we've gone through, I've become much more confident. And I, I think you have, too, as we explore and talk to new people. I, I am more introverted. So I have a hard time sometimes starting conversations. And I've found that this platform just has helped me understand how fluid this whole process can be. 
Yeah, absolutely. I think it's, um, we've gotten to the point where we can almost drop into any conversation. You know, we, we've had such a amazing variety of guests, you know, from, you know, high level professionals to, you know, people who are starting out in their career. Um, you know, I think about this, we've had, like, we've taken a lot of like people's podcast virginity you know, like there's been so many people that this was their, you know, we've been their uh, first podcast that they've been on. And um, you would, I, you wouldn't be able to tell, like going back and listening to our episodes, you wouldn't be able to tell which person it was their first, because I like to think that we do a good job of making few people feel comfortable, because I think we just have that um, dynamic, like you said, of building that confidence to have the conversations in a way that are uh, just uber natural. And I think that that's uh, what we strive for from the beginning. You know, we didn't want to have this, you know, Q&A structure of feeling like it's got to be this, you know, this diatribe of diving into this one thing and, you know, these canned questions. It's, no, let's actually like get on a human level and have a real conversation um, and let the conversations go where they need to go. Because that to me is much more valuable than a canned response of somebody on a promo tour who's trying to just push, push, push the same conversation that they've had on every other podcast or everyone else they've talked to. And now when we have ideas, we tend to, you know, kind of copy paste in our vernacular of how we talk about things. But I, I think that in the, in the way that we've done it, it allows us to be very, um, very truthful in those words. And, you know, it has allowed us to become uh, much better hosts. I think that I listened to a couple of the more recent episodes and and from time to time, I'll go back and listen to some of the older ones as well. Um, just listening to the line of questioning and, and how we interact and how we engage, you know, that is a level of uh, growth that you only get from consistency. And that's where I think that that, that value is. And, you know, so we're in this season now of, you know, what's next, you know, it, it's, you know, we, we've done this, you know, and, and the podcast is something that has now become embedded in our culture. You know, it is a very big part of our brand. And so it's, it's now allowing us to start exploring what we can, you know, throw this same level of consistency at what we can take from here and build. And so now it's allowing us to strengthen some of the services that we're offering. It's allowing us to, you know, find ways to serve our audience better, both in the capacity of, you know, providing value on a content level, but then also in the, you know, client level, which I think is, is important. And that is all done through building out this uh, consistency. Um, well, we, we stay pretty faithful to that schedule. Um, occasionally we have, a, a guest who has to cancel or who has something come up and we, you know, have to, have to be fluid and, and flexible with that. But I know we're careful not to schedule appointments or, yeah. um, meetings, things like that around our podcast time. So I think you have to remain faithful to what, you know, to your schedule. And I think that's helped us be a lot more consistent because we make sure that this is something every week that we dedicate our time to and and to our podcast guests to say you know we leave ourselves about two hours so that we don't have to you know clip them at some point and say okay 
uh, we're on a schedule. You got to be out of here by one o'clock. So this conversation has to end. Yeah, exactly. And I think that um, the, the growth of that is that, you know, yeah, it's like every Tuesday, you know, we have this, but more importantly to that, I think something that it has done for me, and I know we've talked about this, it's, you know, it's allowed me to also get into a different headspace. Like, it's not just I've blocked out, you know, a le- you know, ten forty-five till one thirty every Tuesday. It's when I wake up Tuesday, my morning routine is, you know, a little bit more structured. You know, like I, I have a, a morning routine, but I I'm very I'm much more intentional. You know, and I try to make sure that I get into that right headspace and making sure that I am getting to a place um, where I am prepared to have conversations. Because I mean, we've had some episodes that have gone two plus hours. You know, I remember the episode uh, that we recorded um, last month. I think it was where it was the three hour episode. I I damn near lost my voice towards the end. You know, but. <laughs> I was so prepared to go into that episode with, you know, with so much stuff to talk about that it was just kind of like, all right, you know, our rule is we keep going until there's no more value. And I was like, man, I have to stop talking. Like I have to shut the fuck up or we're going to be here till Thursday. And, you know, it would have been a three, you know, three, four, we would have had to break it up. And, uh, you know, the cool thing is even our longer episodes that I go listen to, and I've had people give me this response, you know, when I saw that it was a two hour episode, I was a little intimidated when I saw it was, you know, this, but then you listen to it and it flows so well because it is, it's like you're a fly on a wall in a conversation. Yeah. And I know for myself, I, on Tuesday mornings, I do the same thing. Mike, I have a more structured morning because I know that we're coming into this. But the other thing is, We always, we're not always, but quite often we run into these really heavy topics. And so you have to know that you're coming. We've talked about some really serious things. So not just mental health, but all kinds of abuse and all kinds of trauma. Mm -hmm. So we want to be vulnerable. We want to be open. We want to be authentic. So we talk about our personal experiences with those things as well. And so I, I have to get in the right headspace to say, this may go somewhere heavy. This may go somewhere deep. This may go somewhere really serious. Yeah. And I think that that's right. I mean, we have, uh, we have the emotional burden that lays on us too. Absolutely. You know, there's, there's a lot of times that we've had some of these heavy, heavy conversations that um, take a toll on you, you know, and it's, you know, we, we are meeting with people and, and I do this, you know, like in my coaching sessions, you know, we're having conversations. I'm having conversations with my coaching clients about some of the most vulnerable times of their lives. Some of the hardest times of their lives, some of like the, like the ugly, right? You know, we talk about a lot of like the ugly that we have to do. Well, we've had some guests who have graced us with their story and really allowed us to be opened up to their their life experience. You know, the human condition is uh, is harsh at times and people inviting us into that. And then that also calling to some of our, you know, our burdens that we, that we carry and the trauma that we carry. Um, and I think we do a good job of making sure that we stay transparent and vulnerable. Well, also, you know, 
you know, I talk about this a lot of times before we ever go on the air with our client, with our clients, with our guests. Um, but, you know, it's uh, we are certainly judgment free, but we also respect boundaries. You know, it's and, and I often say, you know, when I ask somebody about a tough thing, it's always, you know, it's not tell us about this. It's, you know, share what you're comfortable with, because I think that's important, you know, and, and people that are giving us the opportunity to be opened up into their lives. Uh, it is then our responsibilities, you know, and I say this a lot, you know, it's it's our job as host to protect our, our guests, to make sure that they feel they are safe and that they are opening up to us and sharing in a very public platform um, in a way that is not uh, going to be ridiculed or condemned or judged or, you know, harshly vilified. You know, it's, you know, we've had people talk about some things that I know are hard to talk about. And, you know, the, the goal is to approach them with grace, understanding. And uh, one of the things that I like to do is to try to really uh, be present and malleable. You know, it's like, I don't have all the answers and I know I don't. And uh, when somebody is bringing new information or maybe experience something in a different way, um, part of me is fascinated by that and really loves to understand how people process things. But then the other part of me, which is full of empathy and compassion, really wants to be able to get on their level and, and be able to console them while also being able to uh, you know, process it with them. You know, and and I think that we can only do so much of that in this capacity. But I think, you know, not that it's our job to heal or to to completely, you know, empathize. But I think being relatable and and just being in the place of saying, you know, I see another human being who is hurting. I'm hurting in this other way. You know, I just want them to know that you know they are heard, they're understood, and. Um, I love that we have that opportunity because we really have had some breakthroughs on the show that, you know, there's things, there's parts and times of that we've had the show that I'm like, I never in a million years would have thought we've gone, we would have had a podcast that brought us to this point, you know, having some of the conversations, having some of the, uh, the, the intelligence that has just been brought to light is, uh, is amazing. Well, the other thing is we want to use this platform and you say this often in the intro, and that is we want to have those conversations that often happen behind closed doors yeah. that no one wants to talk about and kind of take away some of that stigma and that taboo about certain subjects, especially mental health, um, abuse, things that people um, are afraid to talk about. We want to bring those out so that people know it is okay to talk about them and it is okay to be vulnerable and authentic with these things. Yeah. It's actually a perfect segue to what I wanted to, to kind of talk about today. Uh, so I started writing this blog post and this is something that like, it really, it really started as like a journal entry then I was like, oh, this is this is something that I, I feel like I should share because I'm sure that if I'm feeling this, other people are probably feeling this. And as I was writing it, I was like, this needs to be shared in, in like the medium that has become so well established for us. And so I want to really share some of the stuff that I've been, you know, 
really thinking about writing about and and really kind of been processing for the last you know little while um now so uh i'm going to just kind of read a little bit of like what i started and then i'm just gonna go from there because uh i I definitely want to try to make sure that i am being as truthful and i know that the words that i wrote were very uh, intentional. So uh, I want to kind of go from there. So um, I fucked up, essentially. That's kind of where, where it kind of starts out. You know, it's, uh, and, and I definitely need to be vulnerable in this, in the, from this capacity. So I'm asking you to just open your hearts, open your minds, and put out, you know, any preconceived notion of what you know about me of you know who I am to you in whatever capacity I'm in a relationship of your life. Um, because I know that there's going to be people that question my logic for sharing this as vulnerably as I am as a coach who helps people with transformation and you know who helps people you know find purpose and live into that purpose and delivers the real impact that I, you know, know that I deliver with my clients. And, and it's not coming from a place of like, Oh, please question me. No, this is like, I'm human too. Right. Like I am just as normal as anybody else. I'm just as weird, strange, all the above. Like, and so take the preconceived notion out of, of the mind for a little bit, because I promise you, that the people that you see that are the most successful, you know, they just don't share this shit, but this is the real stuff. And, and I think it's important for me to share it because I don't like to hide behind this veil of a rose colored glasses life. You know, like I have a lot to be grateful for. I have a lot to be thankful for. I have an overall amazing life, but there are still days that suck there are still days that are hard and there are still seasons that are full of just like shit. And there's times where you get beaten up so fucking much that you want to like wave the white flag, no matter how amazing you are, no matter how great you are. You see it all the time. You see these celebrities, you see these billionaires, you see these millionaires, you see these people that own all these, you know, all these businesses, all this property, all these assets and something goes wrong and they, and they just burn out or they spiral or they have a moment of weakness. Uh, they have self-doubt. They have struggle. It is life. And that is right, it. And, and, we, that, and that's all I'm trying about, to get to before I go into this. But yeah, go ahead. I was going to say, and we, we talk about that a lot of times, right, is most people don't show those bad days. It's only the good days, especially on social media. And so you start to feel like, what's wrong with me? How come I'm going through this? I mean, like you said, I have a wonderful life. I have a beautiful family, but I still, today I feel like, shit, why is this happening? Does this happen to other people? And so it's important to show the good and the bad. That's right. Absolutely. And, and the way that I say it is like this. My coaching transforms my clients' lives. That's a fact. That is something that I know, and that is something that nobody could ever take away from me now. Like I've worked with enough people now who have transformed their lives. That is a fact. Like So I know that what I'm doing works. I know that what I do and have chosen for my career path is the right path. These are facts. These are things that cannot be taken from me, stolen from me, taken away or degraded, regardless of what I say next. You know, but in the same capacity, you know, 
there's like these pesky monsters that come up in our lives, you know, doubt and doubt's cousin imposter syndrome, you know, and um, there's an indisputable fact about that too. They're always going to be in your lives. They're always present. It's just a matter of whether you're listening to them. Doubt, imposter syndrome, like I think we perceive them a little bit differently. You know, I think we we say, you know, doubt is this like negative capacity that just like builds me down. But um, the importance of perspective, like, you know, it's like, oh, I have imposter syndrome. Like, well, no shit. You're new to something. I'd be surprised if you didn't. Like you have imposter syndrome because you're an imposter. You're new. Like that's not like take the take the negative connotation away from it. Like, yeah, it's understandable you have imposter syndrome. You're doing something new. You're breaking new barriers and new boundaries. If you didn't have imposter syndrome or if you didn't feel like you were, you know, in this new world, I'd be shocked. Yeah. And and so like when we look at it like that, it's like, okay, well, yeah, I have imposter syndrome, but I'm also reading a new fucking plateau. I'm hitting a new level. Yeah. I'm, I, I, I get doubt all the fucking time. Like, should I be doing this? Should I be where I am? I don't know what to do next. What'd you do last time that got you here? You know, and, and it's those things. But um, doubts, struggles, the ebbs and flows of life are not solely prescribed to the times we're in a pit of despair. I need to repeat that because I think that's so important. Doubt, struggle, and the ebbs and flows in life are not solely subscribed, not solely prescribed to the times in life where we're in a pit of despair. So our mind is such a powerful tool and we're either using it to work to our advantage or we're letting it work against us. And when I talk about um, mindset and, you know, the relationship that we have with ourselves, um, I think it starts with, you know, the fact that, and we've talked about this words matter, how we talk to ourselves matters. And so like, our mind believes any thought as a fact until it is replaced by a thought that contradicts or overwrites that previous thought. Like, think about that. You know, our mind believes any thought that's new, new information, we believe that's a fact because it's new. It's the most updated information that we have. And it could be completely solely based off of like perception. That's how our mind works, right? But all new information that we get, our brain, our mind, our conscious, that's fact until we have new information that contradicts or overrides that thought. That's powerful as shit. That means that we really do have this ability to reprogram, to rewire, retrain. And that's why reading, knowledge, and all of these things are so important because if we solely base all of our opinions on the words that we're telling ourselves and the world that, you know, our, our baseline per, like projection of the world, um, we're only allowing ourselves to believe in a factual sense because, you know, our brain knows yes, no, right, wrong. It's, it's, you know, it's not this complex, convoluted sense of, you know, understanding like we try to present to it. We create the story and narrative and it's either yes or no. It's, I feel this way because of this. Well, now I've created this neuroplastic uh, understanding of a correlation that anytime this happens, that happens. It's the simple, you know, it's Pavlov's dog. You know, it's the cause and effect. But we do that on such a grand scale. 
But this is the reasons why practicing things like affirmations, meditation, reading, consuming new information is not just like a practical way of bettering yourself, but it's so powerful and so beneficial. Um, and so like, I, I don't want to go into this like diatribe on like methods of, uh, of neuroplasticity because I think that we could just be there all day because I am fascinated why, by, by the way that we do that. But um, my point being, no matter where we are on our journey, we're always going to have these moments that are going to be bumps in the road. They're going to be times where we get distracted or we get derailed a little bit. Um, but that also means that there are opportunities for us to grow all along the way. Um, and so the last two months have been um like, I don't even say like the struggle bus wouldn't even be able to like justify it. Like I'm in like the trunk of like a struggle, like Volkswagen Beetle, like <laughs> it's just putting down the road, barely making it. Um, and you haven't been alone in that. <laughs> yeah. And, and I don't think that either one of us, I think that it's something that, you know, is going on on mass display right now. I mean, I think there's so many people who are quietly struggling and I'm, I'm just taking this moment. Like I will step out front and be, be the voice of the voiceless in the sense of saying, look, I'm having a really hard time doing this thing called life right now. Um, you don't have to vocally agree. You don't have to say me too. Just, just listen and find your own objection or agreement of, of whatever as I talk through this. Cause I think that um, this is real. This is, this is, this is me real. This is not trying to put on like a, a woe is me presentation or anything like that, but this is just an, I feel like I need to get off my chest. Um, and so in general, you know, my life has been, My running, you know, like I'm running, I'm training. Um, I have my small group of people in my life that I interact with uh, here and there uh, that hold me accountable. Um, and, and I'm extremely grateful for the, for the small group of people that I have in my life that, you know, I communicate with on a regular basis who uh, allow me to have these conversations on a more intimate level more frequently. Um, but I, but I also know, and I'm aware that there are people that are cheering me on in silence. There are people that see what I'm doing that don't feel the need to always comment or, you know, or put something out there or a pat on the back. Um, so I don't mean to like disregard anybody's support. You know, I think we go through and we make these big, bold statements like I'm all alone. Nobody loves me. Nobody cares, right? And and we don't say that to be insensitive to other people that we know that that love us, care about us, and that are there. It's um, sometimes that's just how you feel, right? And it's like I'm not depressed. I'm just lonely. I'm not, you know, feeling like the world's shutting me out. I just feel like I don't have anybody. It's like you know, um, uh, it's not that like I want to like sleep all day. It's just I just don't feel like waking up. You know, it's like. Um, how we process things. And so the words in this capacity, I, I don't want to like offend anybody by being like, Oh, I'm, you know, I feel like I got nobody sometimes or whatever. That's not what I'm trying to say. Um, but what I will say is 
after my surgery, I feel like I lost myself. Um, Cause I feel like I can pinpoint like the last two months have really been like, you know, I had surgery um, beginning of May and I think, you know, the recovery was much more intense than I thought it was going to be. I'm not going to lie. Um, pain. I had some, you know, some of the recovery side effects were a little bit harsher. Um, I definitely pushed myself, put a little bit more pressure on myself to try to get better, to get back, to get, you know, back to training, you know, and so stacking some of this pressure um, and some pretty significant areas of my life have been suffering because of some doubt that I have had, you know, I've been doubting myself pretty hard. And what I've recognized is my business and my livelihood have, have really bear the brunt of it. You know, um, I've been hyper-focused on my training because it's something that I can control, right? It's me and me. Um, it doesn't require me or mean that I have to get on a call with somebody or, you know, try to demonstrate the value of something or onboard somebody or work through the process with somebody. It's simply me pushing myself to do something that I committed to. And so what I've really allowed myself to do is get stuck into this little bubble of that becoming my life. And so for the last two months, the only thing that I've been consistent with is my training. That's my running, my cross training, my, you know, my fitness. And, you know, I've been able to stay in shape. You know, I've got aspects that I'm getting better at with some areas and lagging some, but I'm, I'm, I'm in this like fairly consistent state now where um, I can almost run, I can almost tell you to the minute, to the second, what my 5k time is going to be, because it's just become that consistent, you know, because that that's where I put a lot of my time and effort. And that is a great area to focus on, you know, for this project that I'm doing, but it's become a level of tunnel vision. And I feel like I've used it as a coping mechanism. This is the easy thing. And it, in a lot of ways, it's the hardest thing that I'm doing, right? To, to, to maintain this fitness, to take after this challenge. You know, it's a very hard thing to do, but it's a level of hard that has like a, a system to it, a structure to it versus cold calling, doing some lead gen, bringing in new clients, you know, working on and designing new structures of programs and, and all of those things. And um, it has gotten me to a place where I have just, um, been neglectful. That's the best way I put it. I'm just so neglectful of my my overall needs, um, because I've I've just been so doubtful of where I am. Um, and I think that it does come from a place of like you know imposter syndrome. Like I was saying, it's you know I've reached a new level, and I've been at this level for about a year. And really teetering between this level and hitting that next. And um, it's this sense of like imposter syndrome of, should I really be doing this? Do I really belong here? Who really cares about this? Who really wants to talk this? And um, that's tough, especially when I know that I have the tools to process and deal with all these things. And so I 
I've started kind of going back through and really going through and doing my own coaching process again with myself and, and it's working and it's, and, you know, it's starting to, you know, come together, but it's, it's a long process. It's not something that you just click one day, you just wake up and everything's okay. You know? And then, um, I just had my birthday and birthdays are hard for me. You know, I don't know why birthdays have always been just like a weird thing for me. Um, I think because I put so much pressure on birthdays because of um, some of the trauma and significance of past birthdays, you know, living past life expectancies and having some really, you know, uh, some birthdays where like, I mean, I've been in the hospital for a number of birthdays and, you know, it just that relation. So what I did a couple of years ago was I started just doing whatever I wanted to do for my birthday. Like I would just go disappear into the woods and I would go, you know, do my own thing. Um, but I know that like, I've been neglecting my social life, especially. And I had a, a close friend of mine kind of call me to the carpet on that. And she's like, you never come out anymore. You never do anything. Um, and so I reluctantly, and that's, I reluctantly was like, all right, well, I'll do something. Um, and, and wound up having some friends meet me out and, and I had an amazing time. Went and sang karaoke, went and danced, had some drinks. And I was like my old self, very social and stuff. But it was, you know, it was kind of like that moment, that glimpse. And, and it's that same thing has happened a couple of times over the last couple of months. I have this, this pocket of doubt over here, but then like I fact find, I'm like, no, you're a badass motherfucker come on, you can get through this. Like, you know, those things, like, you know how to do this, you know, your system works, you know, you have people that you've worked with who their lives have changed. You know, that what you're saying is what you believe, you know, that this is your purpose. You know, that you can do hard things. Um, but when, when you're facing it, it's, it's a lot easier said than done. So it's, it's one of those things you got to kind of remind yourself. And that's why it's important to like, going back to what I said, those words, like I started allowing myself to kind of sit in this, uh, unintentional pity party. Like I was struggling for six weeks. And what do you say when you're in recovery? I feel like shit. I'm so tired. Oh, today's a bad day. Oh, I can't get up today. I'm just going to stay in bed one more day. I'm just going to do this. I'm going to take another pill. I'm going to do this. I'm going to, and, and suddenly for six weeks, I dealt with that. And, and this is probably an excellent study of the human psyche in this sense. You know, for six weeks, that was my life on recovery. And the words that I used slowly, meticulously transformed my personality and who I am and who like, and, and took all the wind out of my sail because I unintentionally, I was struggling. I mean, I was having a rough time with recovery. That, that's something I couldn't have changed. I'm so glad I had the surgery. I feel amazing. You know, it definitely was life-changing and definitely something that I needed to do. But during the recovery, it was um, constantly full of, you know, these conversations. I know that I am, um, you know, doing some of the things that I do because of, you know, learned behavior past behavior. I think we're creatures of patterns, creatures of habits. Um, you know, the, the idea being that we can create, um, better habits, you know, it's replacing the, the bad habits, the toxic habits, you know, it's, it's not about, you know, 
it's like, you know, we talk, you know, you, you talk to an addict, it's not about taking one addiction and replacing it with a healthy addiction. You know, it's about removing the addiction and developing healthy habits. You know, it's it's about structure, well, organization, and 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 creating that flow of life. And really for me, it's about getting that that zest back. And so recognizing what my barriers were are are a huge component to that. What you were gonna say? I was gonna say, I know as I suffer with ADHD ADHD also, and we have a tendency to hyper focus. And so we have this one thing that we're obsessed with, and then it switches and it doesn't it doesn't matter if it's healthy or not. If you focus or you hyper-focus on that addiction, it doesn't matter whether it's healthy or not because it's still overtaking your life and that makes it unhealthy. Absolutely. Absolutely. And so we kind of started out talking about consistency, you know, and I think that Consistency is only as good as the sustainability behind that. Well, what makes a consistent habit non-sustainable? Well, it for me, uh, I recognize, you know, and I think this is, you know, for everyone, it's these barriers. You know, there, there are barriers that we are either putting up ourselves or the world is putting up or whatever, you know, but they are barriers that keep things from being that going from consistent to sustainable. And so that's kind of this, this, this next little area that, you know, and where I've been kind of working for the last couple of weeks is, you know, really identifying, you know, what these barriers are, you know, and, and I think much like anything, these, Levels of self-discovery are much, um, much more valuable when you have people that you can rely on. You know, like I have a coach that I've worked with. I have a therapist. I have a financial advisor. You know, I have confidants, best friends, you know, people that I can have these conversations with. And so I don't have to carry the weight on my own. You know, there's people that I know that are listening to this, that this is not going to be the first time they've heard me talk about this stuff the last couple of months. These are very real feelings that I've been dealing with and sharing um, as I've been trying to process it. And I'm at a point now where I've been able to start understanding. And the moment I can start understanding and find the lesson in it, I feel um, like I've got to that level of a bit of discernment. And then I want to be that conduit of knowledge and change for others, because uh, I'm sure that what I'm talking about is probably not foreign to a lot of people. They're like, yeah, I'm feeling that too. You know, I feel, you know, the feeling of law of being lost and just not knowing what to do, what next, like, you know, whether it's in business and, you know, finances struggling or, you know, in life or relationships or parenting. Um, I think that there are always going to be times where barriers are put in your way. And for me, what I I try to stay in the world of what I can control, what I can't control. If I can't control it, then it's, you know, then it's a matter of um, action or reaction. If I can control it, then it is a matter of changed behavior. Then it is a matter of making adjustments. And so when I look at barriers, I'm not looking at barriers in the sense of like, oh, this person doesn't like me. So they're, they're holding me back or, you know, 
that person did this one thing that's keeping me from being able to do this thing. No, when I talk about barriers, it's the interpersonal stuff. You know, what is keeping me, what am I keeping me from doing what I want? Like, how am I keeping myself from doing what I want to do? What are the, you know, the actions that I am avoiding? What decisions am I being indecisive about? What are the things that are going on that I'm not being accountable for? You know, am I creating excuses or am I giving reasons? You know, and really like that's, that's that for me, that recipe of accountability. Um, you know, is my schedule out of whack? Am I, you know, out of whack with my priorities, you know? And um, when, I, when I started doing that, you know, I recognized I had COVID. Then I had um, a lavish vacation that was just like a really amazing over-the-top vacation, but it was what it was. Um, and then I had surgery, you know, so there was like all this like time that was compacted and then into recovery. And so ownership, what I could control, um, I didn't prepare properly, you know, and then I got put to a place where. I'm six weeks out from recovery. I didn't prepare before. So now I'm working from behind. And as you know, as I know, as many people who own businesses, like you're not selling or making, you know, you're, you're not lead genning this week for sales for this week, right? It's like what action we do today, we might not see the results for three weeks, three months, three years, you know, like who knows, right? But it's the, it's the inaction today shows up today. The inaction today shows up today. But the action won't show up for, you know, for weeks at a time. And so six weeks out, still kind of like, you know, I came out of the gate, I'm ready to get back to work. Um, and I was like, well, there's, there's no work to be had. <laughs> you know, it's, it's like, you're, you're at this, you're, you're starting at this, like the zero spot and uh, that's, that's tough and it's hard for me to admit, um, but it's true. And, and, you know, and it, it's circumstantially like I, naively kind of approach it that way, but it is, you know, kind of like, it is what it is, you know, kind of thing. I don't know. Um, but then I look at, you know, some of the other like real barriers. Um, I'm extremely tired and fatigued all the time. And so I wrote that down and I'm like, all right, we need to explore that. Um, I've gotten to this place where, you know, these ideas and not being sure quite what to do at any given time, you know, wrote that down. And then recognize that my priorities were out of whack. And then I'm overly distracted. And so I started to really like look into all of these things and went back to what I talked about at the beginning of this podcast with the healthcare system, my ADHD medicine that has not worked for six months. Overly fatigued lack of ambition, hard to stay motivated, hard to be priority, like hard to focus on priorities, overly distracted. That's ADHD, right? Like, I mean, those are all like ADHD things. And, and yeah. so like, I had to like, and, and that's not me being like, oh, here's, a, here's an excuse. That's a reason I can function now in a, in a world of reason. Like, okay, 
Here's your prescription of, of, of diagnosis. You have all these, this is what you're saying is wrong. Then you look at symptoms of ADHD. These are wrong. Your medicine that you're on is not working. You know, I've been thriving for two years. They changed my medicine. And now I've had six months of just like rapid decline. And I'm like, huh. So this afternoon I'm going to my doctor and I'm like, something's got to give, we got to fix this. Um, but that's not me now just saying, okay, I know there's a problem. It'll get resolved over here. No, because that's just not how I operate. Because now I know that I can figure out why I'm having the thoughts, feelings, emotions. Now I'm taking a bit further and really going down to the action and inaction of times that I'm feeling tired. What is the fatigue causing me to do? Procrastinate more, maybe. Sleeping more. Not waking up. Not adhering to schedules that I've created. You know, what is it, you know, becoming a, uh, a burden on? You know, um, managing my productivity. Managing my goals. Managing my success. Um, what is contributing to that? Multitasking, overtasking myself, um, you know, not consciously working on my sleep schedule. You know, those are things that I can make adjustments to, right? It can't all just be, you know, here's this medical thing. You know, I wouldn't do that with my heart. So I couldn't do, I can't do it with, you know, with this. But I do want to say, like, it just shows the significance. Like, I think we talk about ADHD as this, like, tongue-in-cheek kind of, like, diagnosis. Like, oh, everybody has it. It's actually, it's, it, can, it can be pretty debilitating. You know, like, I have... It can be rough. It can be. Like, um, I remember when I first got diagnosed with ADHD, like, medically diagnosed at, like, 26. Um, like... They always said it when I was younger, like, oh, you know, he's got ADHD. But like in the 90s, it was like something you, it was kind of a title you just threw on a kid that was hyperactive and couldn't focus. Oh, the kid I was has diagnosed at five. Now, but did you start getting treatment at five? Uh, my mom wouldn't let me go on medication because then ADHD medicine was so new. Yeah. I'm, I'm a couple older, I'm a couple years older than you are. So, yeah, I, I mean, was diagnosed was kind in, of like just being tested on mice and kids at that time. <laughs> yeah, I was I was diagnosed in, in 1984 and I did behavior modification until fifth grade. Yeah. So for a long time, that did help me. But I have found now that I've moved into adulthood, um, I'm really struggling. And I. I finally got an adult diagnosis, but now I'm like in limbo hell where my psychiatrist wants my primary doctor to prescribe it. And my primary doctor wants my psychiatrist to, sign, to prescribe it. So I'm like stuck in the middle of this hell where I'm trying to figure out who can I get to prescribe this medication that I need? Because just like you, it's been so bad probably the last year. Yeah. And it's very detrimental to me as a person and as a business owner. And yeah. like you said, people slap that. They're like, anybody who's a little kind of like ditzy or disorganized, you're like, oh, you have ADHD. And it's like, no, it's a real thing, people. Yeah. And so, I mean, I think, you know, uh, I started doing a lot more research. Um, and so when I first got diagnosed, I read an interesting book on ADHD 
Um, and it's like half the book is from like a perspective of a child. Half the perspective is the perspective like of an adult diagnosed. And I really think that, you know, we, I, in my experience, I have found that a lot of like medical professionals treat anybody individual the same, like whether you're a kid or adult, they treat you the same with how they treat ADHD. And really it's gotta be adult child, you know, because like our brains are completely different. You know, we have, you know, developed beyond, you know, our adolescent brain, but we still have, you know, some of like behavioral, you know, issues and, you know, and issues, not the right word. And as far as that goes, but like how, like, you know, our brain works. And so I look at things like, you know, the way that our neurotransmitters develop, you know, because uh, it's become very, very popular now, the whole neurodivergent thing. Um, and, you know, I think it's, you know, it's probably more than just junk science, but I think it takes away from um, the actual um, science that is, you know, ADHD mental health. You know, I think that, you know, it's so quick for people to, you know, jump on the neurodivergent bandwagon um, because it's like the new trending, you know, approach, you know, it's the new slap ADHD on that person approach. But, you know, if you look at ADHD and, and I say ADHD specifically, because it really is, um, you know, it, for me, it, it really is an extreme, you know, and um, for me paired with the OCD, you know, it's impulse compulsory control, um, which all stems from um, the lack of neurotransmitters of, you know, being able to get that dopamine. And so when we do things in life that are rewarding, that we enjoy, like getting on a podcast or recording a video or playing music or doing art, it's effortless for us because we are getting that dopamine uh, result. That's why sitting on our phones, doom scrolling on TikTok <laughs> for three hours is rewarding because we get these five second bursts of, you know, reward zone pleasure. And so that's why we, you know, we, I say, I'll say I, cause I'm not gonna speak for everybody. You know, it's not as simple of just sitting there for five minutes, watching a couple of videos and moving on. It's no, I found something that is giving me this response that I'm looking for. Give me more, you know, it's, it's that. Um, so it makes it so hard to sit down and do things like, write a blog and update your website and do the admin work and create the spreadsheet and right, creating the spreadsheet actually fun. gives me the dopamine fix, but <laughs> yeah, you love spreadsheets. I love spreadsheets. But, yeah. But the, the business stuff isn't, isn't fun. I often say um, file maintenance is my least favorite part of the job because you know, I do branding and web design. So I have a folder for each client. And at some point I have to sit down and say, okay, this client is a year and a half old. It needs to be archived. And just going through that stuff is no fun. Right. <laughs> it's boring. And so I'm easily distracted. And talking about impulse control, I have bipolar and ADHD. And so not only do, and I have borderline personality disorder also. So my impulse control is off the charts and it's so hard to try and figure out which 
symptom belongs to which disorder. And then sometimes there's a a symptom that crosses over. And so like you have OCD and ADHD and you're trying to navigate both of those, it's hard. And not only that, OCD, bipolar, those are terms that people just throw out there just like ADHD. Oh, I like to have my cabinets organized a certain way. I'm so OCD. Or I, I was happy yesterday. I'm sad today. I'm so bipolar. And it's there's no true understanding of what those terms mean. Right. Yeah. And like, it's it's funny because like when I say OCD, people are like, oh, you just like wash your hands all the time or you're like a neat freak. I'm like, no, I'm OCD <laughs> in the sense that I find a correlation in everything. And yeah. then like, I see the pattern. Like, I'm like, you ever see that movie like, like 21 or 23 number, whatever with Jim Carrey, where he just sees the same number over and over. Oh yeah. Like, so like I'm a pattern based, like, so I create, so like, I'm like a neuroplasticity monster. Like I rewire all the time because it's like cause effect fact, you know? And so like, there's certain times where I have to like do things certain ways because it's just how it works. But I've gotten a lot better with how I've approached it by creating healthy habits. Um, which actually brings me to the final point that I want to make on how we take consistency and make it sustainable. So we talked about the consistency and some of the the roadblocks of, you know, creating new habits are, you know, like the doubt, the, 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 you know, imposter syndrome, the self-talk that, and then we run into these barriers. And then I think in the process of working through these behaviors, these barriers, and creating new positive habits that are being going to be working for us rather than against us. Um, the element that we need to tap into and, and really what we need to really work with um, is discipline. And the hard part about discipline, discipline, inspiration, motivation, all three of those things are fleeting. You know, motivation comes and goes. I made a, a a TikTok a reel last night um, that I thought about while I was on my run about this exact subject. Um, you know, and it was you know essentially it's um, we all have to go back to the well from time to time. Absolutely. No matter what you know, you no matter who you are, um, you know, we all need water. We need water to survive. You know, some people have a, you know, uh, a more sustainable source than others, but we all need water to survive. It's a fact of life, but we all go back to the well from time to time to replenish. And the same can be said for motivation. Motivation is fleeting. You know, you need to, you have it, you burn it up, and then you need more of it. Um, Inspiration, discipline, you have to find ways to build that out. And so how do we get to a place where we are disciplined? Well, we do that by creating structure and habits that are based off of our external and internal desires. So if you're somebody who wants to um, lose 20 pounds, you know, and it's just, and, you, and you're, you're at the point where you're like, no. Losing 20 pounds is the most important thing for me right now. And that, and it almost has to get to that. Like it has to be something that if you don't do this, you're not going to be able to, to move forward the next day. 
You're just going to feel like, you know, you got to start all over because, you know, it, it's got to get to that level of conviction. Discipline is built off of a level of conviction of I have to. And it can start as simple as these one tasks. It's, you know, I, I didn't run, you know, 11 miles a day to run 11 miles on Saturday. You know, it's three miles here. It's a mile here. It's, you know, three miles at an easy pace, three miles at a fast pace. You know, it's these things that gradually grow. And I think that our issue with discipline is that we want to operate at the level of success that we're aiming towards when we're first starting. And so you go to the gym, you come home and you look in the mirror, you don't see any results. Somehow you go to the gym again the next day, you come home, you look in the mirror, you don't see results. Day three, you go, you come and see the mirror, you don't see results. Now you might make it to day five, day six, day seven, you keep looking in the mirror, you don't see results. That's where people quit. Ah, I'm not going to see results. I'm not, you know, I'm getting on the scale. It's, it's going up. It's not going down. I'm not seeing the results that I want. You know, my, my pants are getting tighter. They're not getting looser. Um, results are not going to happen that quick. You've got to become disciplined to the process. The process is what makes success possible, but it also makes it worth it. I've talked about them in the past. You know, um, the lottery right now for Friday's drawing is $1.02 billion. I'm going to play. Don't get me wrong. I'm going to play. So this next statement that I'm going to mouth to make <laughs> might be null, but the reason why people that win the lottery lose their money so quickly is because they didn't go through the process of earning that money in a way that makes them understand how to maintain money. More money just means you get to be more of what you already are. So if you're bad with money and you win a lot of money, you're just, you're just bad, bad with a lot with more a money. Bunch of money. <laughs> exactly. Um, the same thing can be said for any goal you have. You want like, and, and really it's, it's if not when, when you do the work of process. You know, if, uh, if you posted a YouTube video every day for a year, you might not get the results that you want for three months, four months, five months. You might not even get it in the full year. But year two, year three, you know, the, the people that are at the highest level of success that you see, you see them where they are. You see Gary V in a video, but what you don't see is the guy's been up all day grinding, working his ass off. This guy's been making videos for, you know, 20 years. You know, you see, you know, Tom Brady out there throwing Super Bowls, retiring, unretiring, retiring, unretiring, keep coming back and still crushing at the highest level because he, is the first to show up, the last to leave, and just always continues to go. And he has that desire to continue to win. Michael Jordan, you know, I'm taking this off Space Jam, but I remember watching the video where he's like got, you know, I remember hearing a story um, where he would, uh, you know, grew up down towards like Wilmington, where he would stay outside at night and he would strap um, these train planks, you know, like those, those lumber yard, like train wood. Uh, he would strap into his feet and he would just jump with those to give him that resistance at like a young age doing that. And, and I'm not sure if this is something that I just heard, or if it was factual, if, we're going to say it's factual because Michael Jordan's the goat, uh, but, you know, jumping like that at a young age and then building that discipline. You know, I saw an interview with Kobe Bryant 
And he said, you know, um, you can go to the gym, you know, at, you know, at 11 and, and, you know, and you do two hours and you come home and you eat, you, you maybe nap, you relax, whatever you go back to the gym and you do another two, three hours and, you know, then you call it a day or instead of starting at 10, what if I start at five and I go from five till eight, then I come home and I eat get my meal and I'll rest a little bit. And then I go back to the gym at 10 and I go from 10 to one. Then I come home, I eat, I rest. Then I go back to the gym at three and I go from three to six. I come home, go rest. And I go back to the gym from seven to 10. Then I come home eat, and go to sleep. He said, you do that for a couple of years. You've now the average person that's going and doing two a days, you're now twice as capable because you're working out four times a day when everyone else is working out twice. I'm not the smartest person. I'm not the strongest person. I'm not the fastest person. I'm not the most creative person. But I know those things about myself. And I know that I'm willing to do the work. That means showing up earlier. That means for me to get the advantage that I want. That means I've got to work harder. That means that I've got to find the ways to go a little bit longer. You know, I'm going after this world record that somebody who is a world athlete just went after and wound up getting like the second time. He, he just wound up doing it in 44 days. So now he has the second greatest um, world record. And he's a world athlete. This is a ultra marathon runner who does this day in and day out. I'm not faster than him. In all likelihood, I never will be faster than him. But what I can do is work on my endurance to go longer at a slower pace. You know, he averaged 45 miles a day for 44 days. I need to average 55 miles a day for 40 days. It's perspective. It's a little shift. So my discipline to me is increments, a little bit longer on this run, a little bit faster on this run, you know, um, stop trying to like, like I don't focus on PRs. I'm, I'm odd at when they happen because they, they, they happen consistently. But the way I look at it is like, I'm early on in my running. So they should be kind of happening a lot more frequently. You know, it makes sense that I'm, I'm beating times now because like I'm getting quicker. Like I'm, I'm at the beginning. You know, but that doesn't mean come, you know, November or February or March that, you know, I got to put that pressure to hit a PR or a faster time or, you know, do it's being consistent of getting out there. If all I ever do is hit 43 minute uh, 5Ks for the rest of the year, that's fine because then I know what to build off of. You know, it's, it's consistency, but it's, it's showing up and doing it. And, you know, it's kind of like, uh, well, how do we get started? How do we, how do we build that discipline? Um, I hate to be cliche and go the whole Nike route. You just kind of have to, you just got to do it. Just do it. Like it, it starts with waking up, right? Uh, it starts with rolling out of bed. It starts with making your bed. It starts with drinking a cup of water or drinking a cup of coffee, going for a walk, sitting down and reading instead of scrolling on your phone, meditating instead of, you know, 
putting on the news for, you know, an extra 20 minutes, you know, jumping into a, a, a cold shower or, you know, doing a, a whatever workout you can do when you wake it, It's making these minimal adjustments stacked on top of other minimal adjustments over time. And I think that's the key. It's like, we, uh, we, we operate in levels of extreme. I operate in levels of extreme, you know? So it's like, Oh, I'm going to just do this whole new morning routine and this, this and this. And then much like the person on day five, who's looking in the mirror and not seeing results, you burn out because it's, it's not sustainable versus for the next week, I'm just going to make one adjustment. I'm going to wake up and I'm going to drink a glass of water as soon as I wake up rather than go right to drink a cup of coffee. Okay. So I did that for a week. Now I'm going to do that and make my bed. Now I'm going to do that, that, and that, and, and doing that over time. And for some people, they can make that adjustment week to week. For some, it's, you know, 21 days to make a habit. For some, it's, it's longer. You know, it's write down your list of things that you need to change and prioritize them in an order that's going to best serve you and do it in a way that prioritizes the path to getting you to where you need to be. What is going to help you get back on the horse? Um, And I think that that's inviting of another conversation that we talk about of uh, as grace. I think grace is really important, but grace runs the um, risk of becoming um, excuse driven when you live in the world of grace for too long. You know, it's taking a day off because you uh, feel like crap is fine, but taking two days off is, is not going to get you anywhere. You know, it's, uh, I heard, uh, like David Goggins. I love David Goggins, but at the same time, like the guy just scares the shit out of me. Uh, I think that his, his, his mind works in a way that just like, you know, he's a product of, you know, uh, of a beast driven system. You know, he, he really is an anomaly, you know, and, and trying to strive to be him is just, that doesn't serve me. Like I, I certainly subscribe to some of the things that he talks about, but um, I can only go as hard and I'm not going to beat myself up when I can't. Um, but he said something that was really interesting on one of the uh, audiobooks that I was listening to. And he said, um, you know, Days off are important. Rest days are important, but don't take a rest day on the day that you're just like, like I, I can have a day off, but that day is not today kind of thing. Like, you know, if you feel like, you know, crappy, you know, when you're supposed to do something like if like I already had something scheduled and I feel like crappy, like that's not the day to instill a rest day, you know, hold to your commitments of, of doing it. Um, and, and I love that, you know, it's, it's the idea of do it and especially do it when you don't want to do it. That's how you build consistency. That's how dedication becomes a a second language. And I think that um, the one thing that I've been consistent with, and and really it's allowed me, you know, there's a lot of like learning opportunities, I think, in, in our lives when we shut up and listen. And for me, I would have never called myself a runner, you know, back in May. Or, or in early June. And now running is really one of the highlights of my week. You know, and I'm talking like long runs. I did an 11 mile run. I ran half of the American Tobacco Trail on Saturday. 
you know, before going out that night for my birthday. And I find that these longer runs are so rewarding. Like I, I love them. Like I'm running 14 miles this Saturday. Um, there's a time in my life where the thought of running 11 miles or nine miles or 14 miles would have been like absolutely insane, you know? Um, but I'm building up 11 miles, 14 miles, then I have 17 miles and, you know, 22 miles, like, you know, a couple of weeks I'll be running the whole, uh, you know, the whole, uh, American tobacco trail, you know, but it's that buildup. But what I learn on these long runs, um, is I learn a lot about myself what I'm willing to give, how bad I want it, how much do I really have in the tank? When I say I can't give more, what that really means. You know, because I think we are so quick to tap out as soon as things become uncomfortable, right? Like things become hard or difficult or beyond the norm. And so we tap out just like running, you know, antibiotically, you know, it's like, it's hard to run past a mile. You know, it, most, you know, most people, a lot of people, it's, it's hard for them to get past running for one mile. And I couldn't even run a straight mile a couple of months ago. Knowing that I couldn't run a straight mile, I still said, I'm going to go break this world record of 2,200 <laughs> miles in 40 days. Because I knew that with the right mindset and conviction and training, I can do anything. And as I say that, there's the same voice that says, Michael, listen to yourself because you're giving yourself the answer. The same is true in every other aspect of your life. You're just putting it into different perspectives. So let's compartmentalize it. Okay, running is hard, but it's got a pattern of growth. Lead gen's hard, but it's got a pattern of growth. Developing, maintaining healthy relationships are hard. Patterns of growth. Parenting is hard. But it's a pattern of gradual growth. I think we have the answers, but we focus on where we provide them. I just did a nice little psychoanalysis of myself, came full circle, diagnosed and... and <laughs> Healed the world all in one episode. <laughs> <laughs> Good job. So I, I just want to end with, you know, the notion that I am aware that like not everybody feels comfortable with, you know, with, with sharing their hurt, you know, sharing their ugly. Um, it was hard for me to like really, you know, think about sharing all of this today because, you know, I think the natural inclination is like, who's going to want to do business with a coach who has these moments where they fall apart. But look, this is real life. This is the real world. And if you're going to judge me or not want to work with me because I'm no different, like I'm, I, I'm very vocal about the point that I'm always on the journey too, but I found the blueprint and, and I work my own system. I do it for myself. I do it with my clients. They get rewards, I get rewards, life moves on and we continue to grow. Um, but I would love to hear from people um, 
you know, I talk about like, you know, like free coaching call, you know, I always push the free coaching call because I think that it's a great way to just get on the call with people and talk and hear. And I've not really talked about it a lot on this podcast, but I do offer a free coaching call to anyone in my group, you know, uh, anyone in our group, but um, I definitely want to extend it to anybody that uh, is listening. Um, You know, if these, if anything that I said today resonated with you, um, reach out to me. You know, no pressure. You know, I'm not going to hound you to become a client. I'm not going to, you know, bombard you with, you know, marketing, you know, information about anything, you know, but let's talk, you know, let's talk about just like what's going on in your world. Certainly going to talk about how I can help you and serve you, but no obligation. Um, Cause I, I definitely want to just make sure that people are being heard. I think that's so important too, when we are in these moments of doubt and feel like, we are approaching a pit of despair where we've got this like level of hopelessness um, that you don't feel alone. I don't want anyone ever feel like they're alone. Um, You know, I'm always available to talk to people. uh, If we're friends on Facebook, if you're in our Facebook group, um, you know, easy to find, you know, go to warriorofimpact.com, you know, reach out to myself, reach out to Shannon, you know, um, but I definitely want to extend that to everybody. to jump on a call with me or jump on a call with Shannon. Um, If nothing else, just to be heard, because I think that if you're in the same type of season where you're trying to figure shit out um, and you want to move past the notion of like, I fucked up and got myself in a situation that I don't know how to get out of um, rely on, you know, rely on me. Like I, I want to be able to be there. Uh, it is my ultimate pleasure, my ultimate honor to be on, anybody's journey in whatever capacity they'll allow. Um, That's the whole reason I started Warrior of Impact was to be able to be a resource to help people get to the place where they're trying to get. Um, So please, by all means, visit warriorofimpact.com. You know, reach out to myself, reach out to Shannon, you know, message us, you know, join our Facebook group. Um, there's a lot of ways for uh, for you to get involved. Uh, you know, we've been putting out this weekly newsletter now that uh, hopefully offers some insight on ways to process through the elements, our weekly warrior. You know, you can go to our website, sign up, make sure that you're getting that every week. Um, and then, you know, we'll be back next week with another uh, amazing episode and, and some real conversations. And then uh, the one thing I want to put out there, you know, if you are somebody who... Um, has been listening to our podcast and thought, hmm, I would love to have a conversation with these people. You know, I've got some stuff that I would like to bring to the table. We're always, you know, open to the idea of having conversations with just about anybody. You know, so if you think that you would be uh, open to to being on a podcast or you think you'd make a great guest, again, reach out to us. You can find our information on the website to uh, to reach out and um, we can talk to you about our process for getting uh, an episode. Anything else you want to share, Shannon, before we wrap up? Just that, um, as Mike said, you can definitely message me anytime. I usually work one-on-one with people um, in a business sense, but definitely I have been on a mental health journey. So if you ever want to ask questions about, you know, depression, anxiety, bipolar, borderline personality disorder, um, how to live with the ADHD like Mike and I both have, feel free to message me. You know, if you think you don't have anyone to talk to, 
send me a message. I'm not just here. And Mike isn't just here to sell you services. We're here to really talk to you if you need someone to be a support person. That's right. That's right. Yeah. It's, It's going back to that impact part of Warrior of Impact for sure. Hey, Warriors, it's Michael, and I want to thank you for listening to the Warrior of Impact podcast. Make sure that you subscribe to us on your favorite streaming platforms and leave us a five-star review. For more information, check out warrioropimpact.com.